podcast is brought to you by Welcome all you QT faithful to your monthly hymnal devotional, where each month we'd sit down and take an intense look at one of the majestic soundtracks from the Tarantinoverse. I'm your host, the Reverend Scott Kate, and it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show, friend of the podcast and co-host of the B News USA podcast, Mr. Pat Fournier. Together, we will be giving a thorough examination of the tracks that reside on the Tarantino-written and Rodriguez-directed vampire crime film from Dusk Till Dawn soundtrack. Welcome back, Mr. Fournier, and may Tarantino be with you always. And also with you, Reverend. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here. I think, if I read my schedule right, you've been on quite a bit in the last couple of months, but this is your last appearance for season two at the moment, unless there's some soundtracks you jump on in a little bit. I thought you were about to say it's my last appearance ever. That's, That's it. Good. That's it. Good I'm luck done. to you, Mr. Fournier. <laughs> well, you live <laughs> in Louisiana, off. and you know, the, uh, the weather hoax that is climate change, you be underwater soon. I, mean, I don't know. You may not make it. I know you just got a house that got rebuilt because of a hurricane, but that may not be there for long. So, so this is maybe my last time. I don't know. Yeah, Next time I dangerous. might be swimming in the Gulf. I have no idea. <laughs> um, since we last talked, which now for you and me, it's been a couple of weeks, but for our listeners, it'll be two months since you were on my true romance hymn devotional. How's the cirrhosis? We all want to know. How is the cirrhosis? Is it okay? So far, so good. All right, good. We want to make sure. We're wondering, climate change or cirrhosis, which will catch you first? We're going to find out. Uh, that's that, that's good. I mean, I think Vegas should have the odds, and, and you should be able to bet on it. <laughs> so what, what, what do you think, Scott, if, if you had to put money in it? If, if, you, if I gave you like 500 bucks and, and you had to put money on it? The water's going to get you first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the hoax. Sorry, the the hoax will get you first. Yes. The Chinese hoax. The Chinese water hoax is coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as we record, we are like less than an hour away from the 2023 Oscars happening. So this, as people are listening, has already happened. They already know who won. They know everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone got slapped. Maybe not. Who knows? We don't know. Funny thing is, is as people listen, it's like, who the fuck are these guys talking about? Everyone knows. We don't. Which is why we don't we're going to do a prediction. In the past to the future. So I won't ask all the big questions. Who do you expect or hope will win? And who do you think will win the Oscar for Best Picture? We'll just keep it simple. Who would you like to see win it? But who do you think is going to win it? Ooh, I, I don't really I don't really follow movies. Oh, that, Jesus that Christ. This fucking guy. I, I, 
<laughs> you have heard about the Oscars, have you not? You do know yes. that every year there is a thing out in California where they hand out little statues for people who have made movies. Okay, so 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 who are the nominees? That that'll make it easier for me. Oh goodness gracious! Uh, let's see if I can get oh, all there ten. You go. Let's see if I can get so, all so ten. You, so I, well, have... I'm gonna see if I remember all ten. All right. So there okay. is everything, ever, all at once. There is okay. Top Gun Maverick. There is Tar, yeah. which is a movie about, yeah. I guess, some woman who's a famous composer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there uh, is about eight minutes. Avatar 2, which is, uh, doesn't yeah. deserve to be there. There is All Quiet on the Western Front. There is Elvis, The Triangle of Sadness, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Women Talking. Women Talking, that's a movie? Yep. And one other, <laughs> uh, Pulp Fiction 2. I think Pulp Fiction 2 is off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and dudes hanging out, too. Uh, also, dudes yes, hanging uh, yes. out. Yes, d- dudes also. hanging out with the dicks out. I think that's the other one. I can't think of the other <laughs> one. There's one more, and of course, it's slipping mine. But anyways, probably won't win anyways. So if you had to pick out of those films, which would you think would win? Oh, I'm sorry. The Fablemans. Well, Spielberg's The Fablemans. That's the 10th film. Oh. Got him, yeah. Now, the only one I have, I have seen is Elvis. And I, I, I think it's a shoe-in. I think it's like an Oscar. You know, you know, Austin Butler, Elvis. You know, the the whole the whole shebang. I, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. It's like an Oscar bait kind of kind of thing. He he did do a great job. Like I've I've been watching footage of Elvis since I was a kid. I mean, a teenager probably. And when I watched it in the theater, I'm like, and and I'm re- I'm really detail oriented. And one of the things I really liked about Elvis, which is kind of weird to say, but it's his hands. Like he had like just just. He had like long, like just he had beautiful hands. He was, you know, it, it, you know, like like Clarence says. And if you had to fuck a guy, if you had to fuck a guy, we know who you'd fuck. I mean, like again, you know, he's hot. If you he's could stop climate change, <laughs> yeah. If, if you could stop climate change and you had to fuck Elvis, you know, and and he he even had like the the hand just just the way he is. Yeah, it, it was a great performance. I, I enjoyed the movie. I really did. I know a lot of people didn't. Uh, people had their criticism of it. I, I love Elvis. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed the uh, recreation of the uh, like the fifties, Beale Street, and and Sun Studio era. That that's that's. I, I thought it was great. So I, I'll, I'll say Austin Butler. All I'll right. say Elvis. There you go. So there's, there's his predictions. The That's okay. You go with Elvis. No worries. It's yep. perfectly fine. And now it's time to reach under your pews and pull out your Church of Tarantino hymnal as we begin our devotional with the soundtrack from Dust Till Dawn. Dawn soundtrack was released on January 23rd, 1996 by Sony Records. It features 18 tracks from various artists and has a running time of 40 minutes and 21 seconds. The soundtrack has been certified silver in the UK and has sold over half a million copies worldwide. Now, we have recorded over a year ago, just about a year ago, you were my special guest for when I went through from Dust Till Dawn in season one. So you're back to talk about the soundtrack for from Dust Till Dawn. It's interesting, you're very rarely a part of my podcast that talk about the actual films that Tarantino directed. You, we, you're on for True Romance, you're on for From Dust Till yeah. Dawn, you don't really seem to care about the regular films except for Once Upon a Time. Like You're a very slippery slope of a person when it comes to the Tarantino-verse. However, this is a very, very fun film mm-hmm. and a damn, damn fine soundtrack. Damn fine soundtrack. I went through it again today just to, you know, get myself prepared for, to t- you know, f- officially talk about it. Coming up in a couple of months, we will be talking about another one that I think is, God, these are adjacent soundtracks in my opinion, Death Proof. I feel mm-hmm. that the Death Proof soundtrack and the sounds that Tarantino puts in that movie or the songs 
I think some of it owes to Rodriguez and what he also put into this soundtrack for this film. I think he introduced Mm -hmm. Tarantino more to that Austin blues type of music that obviously is prevalent where Mr. Rodriguez lives and is currently from. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts? Yes. Well, obviously, yeah. Um, Death Proof was shot in Austin. Uh, I'm sure, I I think the premiere was in Austin, Texas too. It was. And yeah, it's from Dust Till Dawn. It was directed by uh, Robert Rodriguez and his handprint. Robert Rodriguez's handprint is all over this movie, all over the soundtrack. And it's it's Tex-Mex, it's Chicano uh, rock, uh, Texas blues, all all that stuff. And and even like, yeah, Tex-Mex flavor, definitely. So, yeah. Good. I'm glad you, because otherwise I'd have to end the podcast right now, and that'd be that for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, okay, so uh, last time we talked, it was for True Romance soundtrack. True Romance. Yes, and I laid my cards on the table right away, and I got chastised for it. So this time I'm, I'm keeping my Good. My, my, Thank you. Know, you. My yes. Opinion, my opinion. You know, closer Good. to the vast. Good, you know, yeah. So that, well, that's we'll why I'm not it, giving up I just, wanted, I just wanted to, you know, get you, you know. I feel that we don't get Death Proof soundtrack the way it is, or maybe even Death Proof filmed down there in Austin if we don't have this union between the two best friends, but also the introduction of this music towards Tarantino, because while he still, it's not it's not the exact same kind of soundtrack, but there's definitely hints and definitely pulls because of this music, for sure. Yeah, well, uh, for example, Wero's, which is a, a iconic restaurant in Austin, was featured in Death Proof, and that's that. I'm sure that's a place that uh, Robert Rodriguez brought Tarantino to when you know when they were hanging out in Austin. There's no doubt. So yes, there there is that Austin connection, mm-hmm, definitely. All right, we are going to jump into this glorious soundtrack that is. So tied together, it's more tied together to the Tarantino verse than the True Romance when you were on. I feel, as we'll get into it, I feel that most of this was definitely handpicked specifically, also probably with Tarantino being like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, by Mr. Rodriguez. But I do feel there is one song for sure that has Tarantino's imprint all over it, and we'll get to it when we get to it. Our first track. Hoo-wee. I have had this discussion on what is the best opening songs in the Tarantino verse. Obviously, in technical terms, this wouldn't be considered. So if it's not going to be totally considered, this is the best non-Tarantino opening of a Tarantino movie. I fucking love Dark Knight by The Blasters. This song is from The Blasters' 1985 album, Hardline. Spin Magazine once wrote of the song, it's Dave Alvin's masterpiece. His lyrics paint a timeless portrait of senseless bloodshed that could equally apply to the Hatfield-McCoy feud or Mario Turf battles. The song has also been used in an episode of the TV series Whatever Works and in season two of Miami Vice. This is another interesting thing about this film. There are two songs on the soundtrack that will come up twice in the film. Mm-hmm. Yep. They play in the opening credits. Well, this one plays in the opening credits. And is the first song of the end credits in the film. And another song we'll get to a little later on is another song that plays in the film and also reappears in the credits. And that has never happened in a Tarantino film. And as I think about it, outside of there being a orchestral score for a film, I cannot recollect, and I'm sure maybe you can or someone else might be able to, I cannot recollect a film that didn't have a theme song or a score that played its opening title as also its song to start the closing titles. Mm-hmm. Like, unless it's like, you know, like a Superman or a Star Wars or something like that, I can't think of another film that used like a needle drop, as we'd call it, a source music, where they said, hey, we're going to take the Blasters Dark Knight, it's going to open the this, this movie, 
Oh, and it's going to close the film. I can't recollect that. How about yourself? And also answer, how does this song hit you when you first hear it? Well, first we'd like to point out that this is not the first song on the soundtrack because the first song on the soundtrack is Be Cool. All right, well, those are not songs. That is talking. <laughs> and you know how this works, sir. Okay? All right? You son of a bitch. See, he skips the part of where he's going to fuck up and tell us his answers right off the bat, and instead... He wants to contradict me. He knows that we don't start this way. As a matter of fact, the first song on Reservoir Dogs is not the first song. It's the talking stuff. But we get to that later. The first official song that you listen to, you piece of shit, <laughs> is Dark Knight from the Blasters. So be cool okay. and answer fucking questions. You be cool. <laughs> well, I, I love the Blasters. I love that song. This scene, this opening uh, title scene is, I, I still remember, I don't know if you do, Scott. I don't know. If, I don't know. Did you see that uh, movie when it first came out in the theater? I saw this in the theaters. Yes. So did I. And I still remember going to see that movie. Mm -hmm. That's how Im impactful yep. it was to me. And that opening sequence, uh, I, I know on the episodes uh, uh, for True Woman soundtrack, I, I, I said Graceland by Charlie Sexton. Yep. Love that song. And that, that opening scene just is like perfect for me. This is number two. This is like a twin. Uh, opening, perfect. It, uh, to me, it's one of my favorite opening sequences. It's not the opening scene because the opening scene is... It, it the liquor store. Wonder. Yep. liquor store scene. But... The opening titles is this is one of my favorite opening titles scene of all time. I can watch this scene, just just both of them. Well, actually three in the car, unfortunately, but two of them riding in the car with the blasters playing and, and they just they're just driving in the desert and they, they, they're drinking, uh, you know, looks like uh, Jack Daniels. And this opening song is just so perfect. I cannot imagine another song playing at the beginning of the movie. Oh, I agree it, it's, it's such a cool song. I mean, the Blasters, that's Dave and Phil Alvin. This is such a great, you know, 80s uh, California band. It's ominous. Like, it, you you hear that, that guitar riff at mm -hmm. the beginning, mm -hmm. and, and, and the, the lyrics are foreshadowing. Yeah, I was going to say, the whole song is foreshadowing of what's to come. Yes, Dark yep. Knight. There's, like, somebody getting shot. Yes, you know, violence, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's so badass. It's just perfect. It, it, I, cannot, I cannot imagine any other song being... As good as that one. It was meant to be in, in that opening sequence. I agree 100%. And I'd never heard the song prior to it being in this film. And it is married to this film. When I hear it, and yes. I love it. I, it's one of the songs I put on for a driving song. It's fucking fantastic. I, I feel good saying it this way because it's technically not a Tarantino opening track. Because it, he wrote it, is in it, but doesn't direct it. So I can give it to Rodriguez. And I know why you picked Charlie Sexton. Because you're a big Elvis person. And... I agree. It's a great opening there. I like this one better. And the sequence that Rodriguez shot, the first half of this film, even though this is all directed by Rodriguez, the first half of this film, it feels like Tarantino film. It's a Tarantino yes. crime film. And when we get to later on, we get to the titty twister, boy, it turns. It turns on us fast. As soon as we pull in the titty mm -hmm. twister, we get to Mexico, it becomes a Rodriguez horror film. And you can yes. feel the two imprints. Which is why it was so stunning when it all flips on you when the first time you see it and you don't know what's coming. But you're right. This opening song, it's like the way Reservoir Dogs opens up a little green bag. It is yes. iconic. You're just like, yep. The minute it happens, like, because they each have the cold opens, as people will call them, a cold open. We've got the whole talking in the diner to Reservoir Dogs walk out. You're like, oh, I'm in this fucking film. Same thing. We get the whole fucking shootout, the unbelievable opening yes. sequence at of this film. And then Dark Knight kicks in and you're just like, yep. I mean, yep. the keys to movies, great opens, great closes. Everything that's in the middle, we can kind of digest and make excuses for. But if you have a great open and a great close, you kill it. And 
to then jump back and start the fucking end credits with the same song, fucking genius. It's yep. almost as if we have foreshadowing at the beginning, and then at the end, it's just a recap. You know, like they use the song as a mm-hmm. recap of what we just went through. So it's like telling us what's going to happen, and then it's like, did you remember what we just went through? And it's the encapsulation of the whole movie. It's a, It was a dark night. Yes. And just that badass vibe. It, it's it's just perfect. You know, the blasters, it, it's, it was probably a Robert Rodriguez idea. A hundred percent. hundred percent. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, a hundred percent it was. But what I'm saying is like just the way even the opening was shot, except for a little few tweaks of there for Rodriguez, but it just had that feel like he probably sat with Tarantino and he's like, you're going to love this. And Tarantino's like, no, that, you're like, yeah, that's, that's the opening track. Now, if Tarantino directs this, it's not the song, which is why I'm glad. Tarantino didn't direct this because yep. the introduction for a lot of this music is perfect, especially when we get further in. So some of the people that Rodriguez brings in, we'll talk about them in a minute. Mm-hmm. It's one of those moments where like, like you, this came out right after, you know, two years after Pulp Fiction. And it's about a year before we get to Jackie Brown, almost two years. Cause Jackie Brown comes out at the end of 97. So this came out at the beginning of, of 96. So it's almost two years, but it's that moment where like Tarantino's made buying soundtracks and like I said, this isn't technically Tarantino, but like the soundtracks have become a thing you own. You own Reservoir Dogs. You own Pulp Fiction. And this yes. was such a good, you're like. It's the next one. And then in the Jackie Brown, like the first four. And again, like I said, I'm skipping over True Romance because technically, you know, it's it's an outlier. But of the four that you could say are de- the first four, you go like, God damn, these are good. We can keep going. Like I, the, the first few are just they're out of this world. Like he just, they kill it. And Rodriguez and him have such similar tastes. And it was awesome that Rodriguez yes. is the one who's kind of really puts the imprint on this because he gives us a lot of great music and blues music that I don't think even Tarantino had been introduced to really at that point. And no, it, the rest it's, of the world really got introduced to it. No, it just isn't, which is okay. It's just the nineties. I, I know we're going to sound like old farce, like we did on the, on the true Orman soundtrack episode, but just, just, just realize that we had Pulp Fiction then most people went back and watched Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. and I mean I sure did True Romance and then and then you got to discover this movie mm-hmm. and then Desperado in just a, like maybe a mm-hmm. year year and a half and it was such an exciting time like you had those two those two young you know directors that 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 had like the most badass coolest taste in music and and just it, it was amazing like you 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 would go see like desperado and 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 you had like the you know, like the, the Dire Straits uh, song and then the intro. And it's just like, it was just so cool. Yeah. That just the 90s. Yeah. No, and, I know. And this this, is, know. this yeah. is like the apex of what we're talking about. It's yeah. Tarantino plus Rodriguez, you know, yeah. and with George Clooney and Harvey Keitel and Juliette Lewis. I mean, and, you know, you, you can't yeah. get better than that. It's no. just, it's, so, it's just, it's still cool. What What is it? Like 30 years later yeah. it's almost? A, it's a crime movie that's a vampire film as well. Yeah. But it's still cool. Like you, you watch it today. You cool go, as shit. The first day I saw this in the theater, I thought it was cool, and I still do. So, I will give a little bit of embarrassing personal information. Back when I had hair, I have very curly, <laughs> coarse hair. Not not in good curly, just like wavy, awful hair. So I used to keep it very short. I thought George Clooney was so cool. I got what was called the Caesar. I would wear my hair in the Caesar like he does in there for like two years. So yeah. All right. It's I embarrassing. Did, we need, we need, oh, I, I feel like we, I might send it to you with like, uh, yeah, but yes. yeah, it's never going to make it to socials. Maybe when I'm dead, I'll come up with no embarrassing, I but think the yeah, listener, I fucking, I feel I, like the listeners. I'm need sorry. To I was young. I was in my early twenties. And like you said, it was the coolest fucking thing in the world. This song is song you commit crimes to. I mean, it's a song you drive fast to, but it's a song oh, you commit crime to. Yeah. You just rob a bank. This is the song you come out with. And you walk out with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You go into <laughs> the bank listening to my little green bag. You come out with the dark night. 
That's just that's yes. just how it works, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get in front of the judge and you said, "Look, it was just too exactly cool what you're supposed to do. It just yeah. fit exactly." <laughs> It was something to do, you know. <laughs> you you try to sell him some pussy. We'll get into that. <laughs> yes. This leads to song two. I won't say track two since this guess. Thank God this is the last time. That piece of shit. It is ZZ Top's Mexican Blackbird. This song is the seventh track from the band's 1975 album, Fandango. While not much information can be found on this song, the song itself is about a top-notch lady of the night in Acuna, Mexico. As any Tarantino and Rodriguez fan knows, Acuna comes up more than once in their films. Now, this song plays in Benny's World of Liquor. So technically, sir, this is the first song on the actual movie. Yes. Fucking pain. <laughs> It plays twice. It yes, plays but it is time. also heard in the Fuller's RV, which is a means mm-hmm. to clue the audience in, if you're not a dumbass, into that these, those moments are happening at the exact same time. So we hear the music in the RV because they are driving on the road, eventually getting to the diner. It is to let mm-hmm. us cue in that while they're on the road driving, at the same moment somewhere else in Texas, as they're headed to meet each other eventually... The Gecko Brothers have robbed this liquor store and unfortunately killed one of the great side characters in the history of the Tarantino-verse, the great Texas Ranger, Earl McGraw, who now also the actor, Mr. Michael Parks, has passed. So RIP to one of the great side characters ever created in the universe of that is the Tarantino. So that is why those two songs will be heard. Now, it's not the best ZZ Top song. However, some of the background music is, is perfectly fine. Like, it's a good song. But it's not one of those ZZ Top songs that you're waiting for them to play at a concert. Or, unless, of course, you're a big ZZ Top fan, which I know you are. So, I already saw your, your you, none of you can look because your list is audible. But he gave me a bit of a, like, <laughs> like a little pinky in the air. Well, excuse me, sir. I know he's a ZZ Top fan. One, I'm pushing his buttons. But two, if he's also honest, outside of being a ZZ Top fan, this is such a rare track Sadika. that people know. That, yeah, yeah. Which I would understand you would know it. But to the, our lame listener, probably doesn't has never heard of Mexican Blackbird by ZZ Top. If someone had said Mexican Blackbird, I stopped it there. People would be like, I have no idea who fucking sings that song. They wouldn't have guessed ZZ Top. However, I will now let you, let our entire listenership know about how amazing this B-side that I have now dispurged is and how much you love it and got married to it or conceived children to it or whatever. Go right ahead. I, I am that predictable, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am a ZZ Top fan, and I, I got to be honest. This is the the when I bought this CD, I, I still remember buying this CD. I, I don't know why this movie and this soundtrack just just stayed stuck in 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 my brain this much, but I still remember buying the CD, which is I I've I bought millions of CDs uh, uh, in my life, and this is one of the ones that I remember being at the store, holding it in my hand, and going to the counter and buying it. And ZZ Top, yes. And this is the first time I heard that song because at that time, you know, I, I was a casual ZZ Top fan. I, I liked ZZ Top, but I was like a, a greatest hits ZZ Top kind of person. You know, you have the, you have the CD where you have Lagrange and Give Me All You Love mm-hmm. and blah 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 blah. And this song was on the soundtrack, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, this is so cool. I like this song probably even more than I like any of the other songs that are on 
the greatest hits is easy top i'm like really wait a minute i have to dig deep in their catalog now because you know some artists you you like but but you buy the greatest hits and you're good mm-hmm. you know oh, no, no, I you, mean, yeah. you know, that's all you mm-hmm. that's all you need you know but this song when i heard it on soundtrack i'm like hold on wait a minute this is this this is an album track of that band i have to definitely have to dig deep in their catalog and they since have become my favorite band now i have to qualify zz top is my, is my favorite band but ZZ Top from 1972 to 1979 is my favorite band. Okay. I don't, enjoy, I don't know. I'm particular. But the first record, ZZ Top's first record, eh, I could take it or leave it. It's fine. You know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's, it's, it's their first record. It's, it's okay. It's, it's fine. But it's, it's not great. But, but once they get to Rio Grande Mud all the way to Deguayo, it's just phenomenal. And and I I, I just love the 72 to 70, 79. After they, uh it's El Loco. They start to get a little funky with a bunch of uh, chorus guitar. And and then they go into the, the whole MTV, Give Me All You Love, and, and, and you know, all, all that MTV stuff. It's not, it's not my favorite, but... It's easy top 72 to 79, just my favorite stuff ever. So this this is uh, on uh, side B of Fandango. Fandango is is an amazing album. That's where Tush is from, the song Tush, this is, which is one of her, their greatest hits. Long story short, I know I'm babbling. Uh, Mexican Blackbird, I, I can play that song on repeat and never get tired of it. It's just so cool, just the vibe, the the, the slide guitar, the the harmonica, just the, the little side comments. Get me one of those brews from back there, you know, can you roll? Roll me a little, uh, you know, bulldog, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's such a cool vibe. Billy Gibbons is just, just the coolest guy alive. I'm sorry, and it's just, it's just, just, just the coolest. I love this song. I love this song. Now, this version, I have to say, the version that's on the soundtrack we we reviewing today is the 1987 mix. I know I'm getting particular in the weeds right now, but this is the 1987 mix. When they remixed, they went back for the, uh, they had the what they call the six-pack box set. They came out in 87. It was the six ZZ Top records where they went back and added re- 80s reverb on mm. every instrument <laughs> and especially the drums to match, you know, the game yeah. you all you love and, yeah. you know, all, all that 80s MTV stuff. So they went back in the catalog and they remixed everything to sound like it was from the 80s, which which is, is a sin. And like, it's, it's just terrible. So it doesn't sound bad, but go back and listen to the original mix, which is now available, like the new uh, the new uh, version of Fandango. It's like new remastered, and it's got the original mix. It's a lot drier. It sounds more like the 70s blues rock sound. It's, it's a lot, like there's, there's less reverb. You just hear the room. You just hear ZZ Top playing in the room. It sounds a lot better, but I, I love this song. I, I, I could go on, on and on and, and talk for hours about this song. I love it. I'm not going to show you my card, Scott. I'm just going to say I love it. That's I it. I think we already know. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> that moves us to the third song on this soundtrack, and that is Texas Funeral from John Wayne. This is the second song on John Wayne's 1985 album of the same name. This album was re-released on vinyl in 2010 by Jack White on his third band records label. Word around the campfire is Tarantino wanted this song to be part of the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, but couldn't get a hold of the band to make it happen in time. Now, no, that is not John Wayne, the actor. No. If you just listen to the stuff that played before I spoke, you will understand exactly who that is, as I always go through some of the information in the backgrounds of these songs. This song does play in the Gecko Brothers' car while they are waiting outside the motel to enter before Seth goes in to get a room and we get that mean old man, what the hell are you 
want? I want to room you, mean bastard. <laughs> uh, so again, one of those songs that is kind of, I don't want to say it's a throwaway. Not my favorite, but it fits the time, like all the other ones I've ever talked about. It, it fits where we are in the time of the film, where they are in the actual relativity of the world for this film, and what's going on. It doesn't need to be a song that is memorable, like some of the ones coming up, mm. or like A Dark Knight. It just needs to be there to add atmosphere, to give those of us. It's a great way of hitting you on the head that you're in Texas without hitting you on mm. the head that you're in Texas. All these little songs we've had throughout where they're just the background and they don't jump to the forefront, but they're there because they really do work in the time frame of where they're at. Yes. Uh, actually, this song is, is obviously a parody. Like yes. If if you do if you do some research about uh, John Wayne is obviously an alias. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a producer, and I would say that it's what people who hate country music think country music sounds like. <laughs> I was gonna say the same. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's true, but it works. I, I'm a country music fan, yes. and I love this song. I, I love it. It's it's like a punk. It's like if the Sex Pistols would play country music. And actually, I, I did some research today, just, just a little bit. I was doing some, uh, uh, you know, some research uh, today for just this, this episode. And I, I just read, this is news to me, Tarantino wanted to use the song in Pulp Fiction, but was not able to get in touch with the artist. Did you know that? I did not. I, I just found that out today. I'm trying to wonder where he would have used that song in. Oh, I know where. He would have used it in the... In the pawn shop? In the pawn shop. It, that's yep, it would have that's been, my speculation. Yep, it wouldn't have been the lady in the red dress. It would yes. have been this song. Yep. And the only other place that's he could have used it before then is it would have been the song that's playing in Reservoir Dogs when Mr. Orange is getting ready to go to the learn his color and the meetup of the game. But not really, because that song has to be upbeat. Because uh, Mr. Orange, he's, he's trying to pump himself up and he's trying to, you know... Let's do this. Let's do this. But if you remember that, it's a country western song that is playing over his right. Radio. But but it's more of an upbeat. I know. But what con. I'm saying is, if they're going to fit it somewhere else in in the Tarantino yeah. universe, that's the only other place up to this point that it could have fallen into. And really, since because after that, everything moves to California, and you know maybe it could have been played in. Um, you know what? It could have also worked instead of the Johnny Cash song in Kill Bill Volume Two when um, yep. Bob gets gets home and uh, from being sent home from working at the titty bar. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, thinking about it, it, it that's the only place in the movie yeah. that it could be in. Agreed. That, that's it. That there's, there's, there's no other place it could be in. I, I think it works in that, um, you know, because they're in a crappy motel. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've we, we, we've all been. They're in rural most of us Texas. Have, they're in the parts yes. of Texas that we only, those who of us don't live in Texas, dread. <laughs> we only hear about the dry, the dust, nobody. And they go into, they're in a crappy motel, and it just fits. Yeah. It's just gritty and just, you know, it fits. Yeah. And I, I like the song. Like, I'm it, sure it, you do. It's a parody of country, <laughs> but I still like it. I just think it fits. Did you listen to the, at the end of, at the end of it? He goes, I, I'm sorry, I fucked that up. Like, it's, it's just. I, what I love, I love is that funny. you are from France. Born and raised in France, and now you live mm-hmm. in the South of America and of the United States. Sorry, so people don't get confused that you're in South America, and that you are a fan of country western. That is something yes. that no one would have expected. Well, one of the things I could blame for that is this soundtrack in this movie. That's fair. Were, were you living in the U.S. at this time, or were you still in France at no. this time? You're still no, in no, France. No, I was in France. I was in college when this came out. Oh, so there you go. And I watched this movie, and I'm like, yes. I want, uh, I, 
I want to be part of that. Yep. I want to drive down a, a, a highway in America and listen to the Blasters or ZZ Top, or I just, I just want to do it. Screw, screw France, you know. <laughs> like I've, I've, I've lived there enough. I'm, I'm, it's enough, enough of France. I want to see something else, you know. I think you're going to be hired pretty soon by French, by the, by your French comrades to uh, maybe do their tourism. I think that you've got the right attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, I think I, I think I got the right uh, angle to, to 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 get people to be interested and excited about France. But yeah, no, seriously, I I I just love this movie. This soundtrack is one of the reasons I just felt, and I love Texas. I'm sorry, politically, it's it's really not what I agree with. But there's just something about the, the Texas music. Most of my favorite musicians are from Texas. I love Waylon Jennings. I love Willie Nelson. As we we yeah. love to talk about Jimmy Vaughn, the Vaughn brothers, the Fabulous Thunderbirds. I could go on and on and on. My most of my favorite musicians. It, if I do a percentage of my favorite musicians and artists, overwhelmingly yeah. are from Texas. It's just it's wow. just something that just resonates with me. It's just it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Texas Outlaw Country is just my jam. I'm I, I'm a big fan of Outlaw Country. Boy, the the people who made Outlaw Country must be just fucking turning in their graves to hear country music the way it is today. I know. Yes. That brings us to what I believe is not only the fourth song that we hear on the soundtrack, but also <laughs> the one with Tarantino's imprint. And that would be Foolish Heart by the Mavericks. This song is the first track on the band's 1995 album, Music for All Occasions. It's considered one of the band's most accomplished studio albums, peaking on the Billboard Top Country albums at number nine. This song plays in the diner while the Fullers are eating and where Jacob explains to his adopted son, Scott, why he no longer has faith in God. It just has Tarantino's imprint all over it. I could hear this being played at Jackrabbit Slims. Mm -hmm. I could hear this being played in any number of Tarantino movies. It has the bit of that rockabilly sound to it, but it also has a bit of that 1950s... Patsy Cline yeah, kind of vibe. Yeah, it just has that feel to it that he's had in a couple of his other films. So it was the one that I go, okay, if there's one that Tarantino's like, oh, I think that's a good song, this is the one. And it works because it does have the yes. diner feel to it. It doesn't need the... Uh, southern rock blues feel that the rest of the album does it needs in this moment it, ha it has a bit of a like a longingness to it a bit of a mm -hmm. sadness to the song and we're in a sad moment we're learning why our character Harvey Cattell is playing Jacob is why they're traveling across country and that he has fallen out of his faith because we he's lost his wife and it's you know so it works perfectly in the moment something like like you're saying oh, some of the other artists ZZ Top or one of the Vaughns or Tito and the Tarantula it would not have worked here it would have just been too much so this was the perfect yeah. moment for this moment and it's a song that does feel like you would hear in a Texas diner at least in the 90s yeah it's nostalgia. It's is is harkens back to the fifties. Like I said, Patsy Cline, that that type of Nashville sound in in the fifties, and it's just classic Americana. You know, it's what you want to play. Be be playing in a diner if if you if you travel. Yes. You know, to the United States, and you have this this uh, this image, this idea of classic American, you know, culture, and you're sitting in a diner and you hear this 1950s flavored uh, uh, country music. It's 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 gorgeous. Yeah. It's it's just a great uh, track. Yeah. I love the Mavericks. Yeah. Good good band. Yeah. Oh, great band. Uh, if you listen to the soundtrack back to back, if you just let it play, the contrast between John Wayne and the Mavericks is like huge. Whoa. It's is jarring because this is so slick. Okay, I, I'm not gonna show my cards. I'm I'm just gonna talk about <laughs> the Mavericks. 
I learned my lesson, Scott. I learned my lesson. I got chastised on the Two Romans soundtrack <laughs> episode. So I'm, I'm just keeping it close to the vest. It's difficult for me. It's not in my personality, but, I, you know, it's I, the I'm French a guest. So I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm just going along with it. I, I'm just going to say I absolutely love that song. Uh, I love that band. Raul Malo is, for me, one of the best singers, one of the best vocalists of his generation. He's He's just... Amazing. I think he's underrated. I, I think Raul Malo flies under the radar. When when people talk about great singers, they never mention him. And it's it, it's a shame. It, it it it's a crime because he's amazing. And they're still active. They're still releasing amazing great records. I, I would just plug two out uh in time and mono. That's just two records that they put out in the last few years that are absolutely amazing. They had a huge hit in the UK. We were talking on the True Romance soundtrack episode about uh Charles and Eddie. Yes. And I in in nineteen ninety-eight, the Mavericks had a huge hit in the UK, Dance the Night Away. That was at the same time as Shay. I had her monster song that was everywhere. Believe, you know. Do you believe in love after love? So I, I happened I happened to live in the UK in the north uh, in in Cheshire uh, in between Manchester and Liverpool, close to the Welsh border. In 1998, I got a job there, and I was living there. And the that share song was everywhere in Britain. You could not turn a TV on. You could not turn a radio on. You could not walk into a store. You could not walk into a disco, a bar. That share song was everywhere. And it was so obnoxious with that auto tune. It, it, it was ah, it just made you want to puke. So when you would go out, you would have to, to hear this song. And then later on during the night, you would hear Dance the Night Away by the Mavericks with those uh, mariachi trumpets. And it was like, Oh, thank God! Thank you. Some real music with 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 a, with real feel, with like a Latin, you know, Latin yeah. feel. And people in the UK, like young people in in their late teens, early twenties, were going out. And when that Maverick song was playing, people were dancing. And I was like, "Thank you, Mavericks! You 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 did it! Like you 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 got to get get one of your great songs." somehow in the top whatever top 10 <laughs> and we get to dance to real music so i will be forever grateful to the mavericks for that i just love the mavericks i, I don't have a bad thing to say about the mavericks it was playing in clubs in 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 uk thank you very much and people underestimate how difficult it is to write and perform a song like foolish heart because you are competing with patsy klein with all that 1950s and it's got to be perfect the production, the, the the musicianship, the singing. Today, it, it you have to be a very special band to be able to put out a song of that quality. I'm just gonna say it's underrated. I'm, I might be showing my cards a little early, <laughs> just but can't help himself. Can't help. Himself. I can't help it. Uh. It's a great song. But wait, what say you? Do you like the song? Love the song. Love the song. Oh. but not as much as song five. Denegay Woman Blues by Jimmy Vaughn. Denegay Woman Blues is a song that was specifically written for the soundtrack by Jimmy Vaughn. It became such a hit for Jimmy that it made its way onto the essential Jimmy Vaughn Greatest Hits album released in 2003. Speaking of underrated, I love this song. And it plays okay. while Richie is creepily staring down Cat or Kate in the back of the RV while Jacob and Seth have a little heart-to-heart on how things are going to be. It is sultry. 
perfect. The creepy thing about it is it's such a great song, but in the context of what is happening in the film at the time and how we've learned that Richie is a real fucking pedophile, rapist, creep kind of motherfucker, the way it plays and the way he looks at her, it makes us as uncomfortable as it does Kate. <clears throat> but it's such a great song, right? Like, so it's that, it's the thing that Tarantino's really good at and others have been good at, but it's where you take something that you really like and you put it with a scene or a moment that's the opposite of what that should be. This song should be like when you're staring at a girl across the bar and she's looking at you and it's like you're making eyes at each other. This should not be where another, a rapist is literally looking at his next conquest who he thinks earlier she asked him to eat her pussy because he's a fucking psychopath. Like it's one well, of those. He's just a helpful guy. guy. Yeah. He's just a helpful he guy. Is. He's he is. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll I mean, yeah. Can you, can you do a favor? Me a favor? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm always out sure. doing favors. Yeah. But it's I do helpful. love this song by Jimmy Vaughn, who I think yes. outside of like the area you're from is not as well known as Steve, Stevie Ray. Steve. If, if people right. say Vaughn, first person I'm gonna say is Stevie Ray. Yep. But Jimmy does an amazing fucking job with this song, and I absolutely fucking love it. However, like I just said, it, it comes in an unfortunate moment in the movie <laughs> because you're loving the song, but you're not loving the where it's married to. Well, okay. I, I'll say this about Jimmy Vaughn. He, he's one of my favorite artists. He's, he's a hero of mine. Again, politically, I don't, I don't think we, we see eye to eye, but that's that's fine. That's, that's He's from Texas. There. That's, well, yeah. And he, he took a picture with uh, Abbott, the governor of Texas, him and um, I think he was on tour with Eric Clapton and all three of them were with smiling for the camera. And I was like, oh, Jesus. But well, anyway, yeah. I, I, you know what, though? I don't How have about to this? agree with him. They're, they're in their 70s, 80s. There comes a point when, especially for whatever, when you're a white male in your 70s and 80s, the cheese slides off the fucking cracker. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cheese well, is okay. wet and sweaty and it slides off the fucking yeah, cracker. And you know what? Yes. You can take the word cracker as you like as well. The cheese is sliding off some of these yeah. crackers. All right. <laughs> it's the best way to say it without getting too political on, on a show about Tarantino. But the cheese, in some case, for people after 65, starts to slide off the fucking cracker. But anyway, uh, regardless, I'm, I'm going to put that aside. Uh, uh, you know, personal issues and, and you know, preferences and all that. Jimmy Vaughn is one of my musical heroes. I absolutely love him. I, I loved him in the Fabulous Thunderbirds. If, if if you haven't listened to the Fabulous Thunderbirds and you like blues music, just do yourself a favor, dig in their catalog. It's absolutely amazing. And his solo career is just so great. I love his singing. Like, yes, he's a great guitar player, obviously. He's he's got a, a like you hear him you hear two two notes of him playing on guitar you know it's Jimmy Vaughn but his singing is again I'm gonna use that word but it's underrated his yeah. singing voice is just so I think both great. Vaughns are underrated for their ability to sing I think we know everyone yes. knows them as the great absolutely you know guitar maestros that they are but their singing voices are. They're just perfect. Vocal. Yes. It's amazing. And one really interesting thing about Jimmy Vaughn is when he was in the Fabulous Thunderbirds, he was playing with a pick. I mean, if, if you, I don't know, if you're not a guitar player, I don't, I don't, maybe you don't understand what that means, but it's like a little piece of uh, plastic that you, you use to, uh, you know, to plug the strings. And if you're a guitar player, you know what I'm talking about. So he, he used a pick when he was in the Fabulous Thunderbirds. And when he went solo, he decided to change his style and he, he dropped the pick and he started playing just with his fingers and he started emulating saxophone players and once i read that i went back and listened to his music and his his guitar style and his guitar style by the way in the thunderbirds and and solo work is totally different 
And his solo work, you can definitely hear, like he's trying to have his unique voice. And and he was in an interview one time, and I thought it was very interesting. He said, I did not want to copy my heroes. He said, uh, my, my idea was one time I just sat down and thought to myself, okay, if all my heroes are, are all sitting in a circle and they're all taking turns playing a guitar solo, when it comes to me, what am I going to play? Hmm. I'm not I'm not going to play like B.B. King because he just played a B.B. King solo. I'm not going to play like Albert King because he just did an Albert King solo and so on and so forth. So when it comes to my turn, what am I going to play? What's my style? What can I bring to the table? And I think it's a very interesting way of looking at art. Like I love my influences, but what can I bring to the table that's not going to be copying somebody else. And I think Jimmy Vaughn is very underrated. And and this song is great. Like you said, and it, it's in the context, it's very creepy. But <laughs> it's a great track. He's one of my heroes. Jimmy Vaughn can't, can't say any, you know, enough good things about him. Great, great track. That brings us to the sixth musical track on the soundtrack, and that is Torque by The Leftovers. This song was originally written by George Tomsko in 1959 and became a top 40 hit for his band, Fireballs. The song was covered by The Leftovers, a band consisting of members of Tito and Tarantula and Robert Rodriguez. They formed up to record the song specifically for this film. This song plays as our protagonists enter Mexico after a very tense border crossing. (laughs) So, again, it is the shift in the show, the shift in the mm-hmm. movie, whether we realized it or not, yeah. it's not just shift of scenery. And obviously now we're going from Texas to Mexico. So now we're going to get a little bit more of the Chicano music as you're speaking of. We're still going to get some blues, but we're going to get some Chicano music coming in. Mm-hmm. However, it is also without us realizing it the first time through the movie, once we cross into Mexico, the crime story has now ended, whether we've realized it or not, because we've gotten away. We have, we've gotten away. We are loose in Mexico. They're safe. We, yeah. Well, yeah. We think we're safe. Well, yeah. The movie is going about to change. <laughs> the tone in the movie changes. Everything's about to change. And this is our cue that it has, that we are now headed in. And the movie becomes upbeat. Like, as soon as they make it through the tenseness, you do feel relaxed. You feel like, oh, you yes. feel like we're going to party now. Like, it's even kind of party. Yes. It's music. Like, boom. Here we That's go. That's what it is. This, this song encapsul- encapsulates sorry, the excitement of going out. And you just, you just, you're excited because you think the night is going to be, you know, it's open. Yeah. Like you can do anything. It's just exciting. And the rest of the night never matches. I mean, you know, we're, we're middle-aged men. So we, we've had, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we did a few Friday nights and mm-hmm. Saturday nights enough to know that the excitement of the anticipation of going out is always the best part because yes. the rest of the night, 99% of the time does not match the excitement of what what is possible. The best way to describe it is this. I don't know if you ever played golf, okay? No. So what keeps people playing golf and what kept us going out is there is one night or maybe one to three mm. nights total, the just like 20. in golf, one to three holes that you have this one time where it is everything goes as planned. You go out, you have fun, you get some drinks, you this, that, maybe you score with a girl, most likely you score with a girl, and it's fantastic, and you're just like, fuck yeah. And that's the moment that keeps you going out. You keep chasing the dragon, so to it. speak, of that. You keep chasing the good hole in golf. You keep chasing, and I probably maybe holes and balls are not probably the best hey, <laughs> put hey together, now. but you keep chasing that moment with that one person that you got yes. lucky with or whatever. It's never the same, but that one time 
or a couple of times is what keeps you going back for more, hoping that tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. But it ends up being a night filled with share. <laughs> <laughs> and I Bad want mood. your body playing on repeat for forever. It's never a great You're night. not far from it. You're not far from it. I love this song. Um, it, it's Chicano surf to me. I, I don't know if that's the term. I, I just yeah. made it up. There you go. It, you coined it. Yeah. Yeah. So the just the um the saxophone, you know, reminds me of the nineteen fifties rock and roll and nineteen sixties surf, you know. Kinda of like the song that uh that plays in pop fiction during the rape scene. Yep. When yep. Uh, um just like it. <laughs> just just upbeat. No, yeah, but, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You know, ba, ba, da, 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 you know that, that saxophone driven kind of yeah. kind of exciting uh, uh music. But uh I, I have a, a personal story about that song. Um uh, I grew the, up in France. Which, as we which said one? Earlier. The Comanche from the Torque. Torque. Oh, Okay, okay. Because you, I mean, song. you said saxophone rape, and then you went to France. I'm like, uh oh, no, no, we Tarantino, no, no, it. we no. just went out of linear. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm gonna stay with the leftovers and Torque. I, I grew up in France, and I, I grew up around Paris. But my, my parents had a, a an apartment in a ski resort in the Pyrenees, which is uh, in the south of France. The, the Pyrenees, I, I don't know if your the listeners gonna be familiar with it, but it, it, it's a chain of mountains which is in between France and Spain. And our apartment was like really close to the Spain. Spanish border, and when I was, uh, I, I would see the, uh, I would go there every summer, every Christmas break, every time we had a break. And the cool part about it is, I would see the same people. So it, it was like, uh, uh, I guess in, uh, it was like in maybe seventeen, eighteen, or whatever. And one of us had a car all of a sudden, you know. So uh, it was like summertime, and I remember it was like me and two other guys, and and we said, hey, let's go to, let's go to Spain tonight. Let's go out in Spain. And the the border wasn't that that far, you know. And it was Europe, so they didn't have. Uh, it was it was at night, so they didn't have a, a border patrol. They didn't have you know customs or anything. You crossed from France to Spain like you just crossed the street, okay? But in our minds, you know, ooh, it was different. We uh -huh. were in Spain. We were in a different country, you know. So it was adventure. So it was like, let's go out to uh, to a disco in Spain. Let's, let's let's just you know let's just do that tonight. And I had my CD of uh, from Dust Del Dawn. I had I had the soundtrack CD. And the other two guys were not into Tarantino or any of that, but we were driving and I was in the back seat. And as we were getting close to the border, I remember giving the other guy the CD. I said, look, I said, put this CD on, put it on track number eight. All right. I said, wait, 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 not, not yet. We were getting to the border and we crossed the border. I said, now I said, hit number eight. Dun, 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 dun. Woo! We're in Spain now. You know, it was, it, it was kind of like my version of we're in Mexico now. And Were it was you attacked like, by yeah, vampires 90... later? No, no, no. Thank, thank God, no. But it was it was my version of, yeah, we crossed into, you know, Spain, you know, Spain, Mexico, you know, both, both the Hispanic, Spanish-speaking countries. And it was like my version of, yeah, you know, the, the world's our oyster and we, we're going out. It's a different country. We're going to hit, you know, we're going to find women and they, they speak Spanish and they're different <laughs> and the night's going to be awesome. And, and that was that song. I'm like, I kind of recreated the uh, the Gecko Brothers uh, uh, crossing into Mexico, and and the other guys were like, I, I'm I'm sure they were like, okay, I don't know what that song is, but he <laughs> seems to really want to hear this song right now, so okay, uh. so yeah, so that's that, that was my that was my personal story. Well, that leads us to number seven song. Not the same track, but whatever. This guy's fucked it all track up. Track number nine, if you yeah. keep in track. We're not. The seventh song <laughs> on the album is She's Just Killing Me by Mr. Fornese's favorite group of all time, ZZ Top. This song was originally released by the band as the first single from their 1996 album, Rhythm Me. 
The music video for the song contains clips of the band playing in a bar, intercut with scenes from the film. This song plays as our group of travelers approaches the Titty Twister, and we realize right mm-hmm. away we're in for a whole new part of the movie. And it's also the second song that I referenced earlier playing during the closing credits. So it comes right after Dark Knight in the closing credits. She's Just Killing Me is also, I believe, still playing or ends just as we get the pussy speech from (laughs) Cheech Marin. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it's still playing in the background because all I can hear is him talking about pussy. So I think it is still playing. So. During yeah. the Cheech Marin yeah, I would think so. pussy conversation that we'll get into later at the mm-hmm. end. But yes, so we'll get again, <laughs> it's 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 a perfect combination. It's just perfectly played in the background. It works, it sets it up. We've got the bikers, we got everyone coming out. There's it's fires are shooting yes. off of there's big neon tits on top of the fucking like it is everything that it is hell on earth. If anyone remembers the podcast you and I talked about, Titty Twister is actually designed to look like what the compound that uh, Colonel Kurtz has in Apocalypse Now when they show up okay. to Colonel Kurtz. So it's, they the wanted to replicate the way that the craziness of that when they show up, they finally make it to the end of the river in Apocalypse Now to that to the same. So kind of like when you roll up and you've got the craziness of Dennis Hopper's character there, the American journalist, and he's like losing his mind. Hit him with the sirens, man. Hit him with the sirens. Like he's fucking losing his mind that's kind of like what cheech marin's character is mm-hmm. emulated about completely different but where we've got the whole speaking and everything is just chaos when you show up and tell us about how great this song is from your boys zz top well i might uh, disappoint you scott this is not this is not my favorite zz top era well okay it's like you said it's biker rock you know it's great for that scene but it's not my favorite era of ZZ Top. Uh, it, it's off of their uh, Rhythmine uh, record, which came out around the time the movie came out. Uh, it was kind of like that Back to Basics kind of record, uh, kind of like, you know, let's record live. But... Well, we're late 90s at this point, so they're well, I mean, they're well past their days of popularity that was the 80s oh. and, and, and MTV at this point. Uh, we're, Absolutely. We're at the end of, to give our listeners some context, we're at the end of the grunge era at this point. Like, grunge has come mm-hmm. and gone. It had a quick five, six years Cobain dies. Bands like Pearl Jam song that they start to change their sound a bit anyway. So grunge is on its way out. Corporate rock and everything else is on its way in at this moment. It's the it's the end. Like it's the getting to the end of what I call the Halcyon years of not only just the movies of the nineties but the music that led up to it. So yeah, my 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 thing with ZZ Top after the seventies is okay. The the eighties they had the you know they had the. Um, the MTV videos and you know and that was great. I made a lot, made him a lot of movie, a, a lot of movie, a lot of money. But uh, my thing is, even after, especially after that, uh, I say like late '80s, early '90s, and and through the '90s, I think for my taste, I find it got kind of lazy. So in the '70s, if you listen to Rio Grande Mud, if you listen to uh, uh, Tres Hombres, Tejas. Uh, Fandango and the next one, De Guayo, they were writing songs. So those songs had an intro, had a, a, a first verse, they had a chorus, and it said like it, it was a it was a real song. And when they got into the eighties and especially nineties, they got I find lazy. They started just finding a guitar riff like this one, dun, 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 and the whole song was just that riff over and over, and maybe a change or two. They weren't structured songs anymore. Because if you listen to "She's a Heartbreaker," for example, from Rio Grande Mud, that's a song that that has a that has a, a distinctive 
a, a verse and then a chorus, a really catchy chorus. There's nothing catchy like when you get to the 70s about ZZ Top. I mean, they were kind of like going through the motions. I don't know. It's, it's I love ZZ Top to death. That's like, like I said, it's my favorite band. But this era to me felt a little derivative, a little, uh, maybe a little, not 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 as interesting, not as, uh, the songwriting wasn't there anymore is, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, um, the other day I was driving to work and, and I just I, I just put the CD on, you know, to, to kind of familiarize myself with those songs again. In, in, in preparation for this episode. And I, I listened to the whole CD through. With I, I loved every song. And when it got to this one, I was like, okay, when is it over? Like, <laughs> And it's my favorite band. But this song feels kind of like meh. Kind of like it's a placeholder, biker, rock song. Now, some of the lyrics have to do with what's coming next, like drink uh, drink my blood and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. She's killing me. Like it's, it's kind of foreshadowing. Yep. You know, but I find it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's the production, the guitar tone. It's its not my favorite. It's its fine. It works for the film, but doesn't work for you yes. as far as the artist goes. Correct. I will not go back and listen to Rhythmine, especially not this this track. It's fine. I know Pearl Jam's your favorite band, but do, do you have like a... Yeah, there's a, there's a song on their binaural album, which came out in 2000. And um, my God, I, I can't think of the name. I, I will skip. it. I can't stand it. I I've been lucky that they've never played it in one of my shows. I cannot stand it. It's awful. <laughs> what, what is it? I can't. I, I can't What's even think of the name. Hold on, give me one second. I'll look it up. It's fucking terrible. You hate it so much. You can't yeah, I, even, I, you I, even I, I've listened to it maybe three times, and I'm like, fuck this wow. song. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm not to that point. No, I'm it's, not to that it's point like it's song. just it, a it's song fine. that I I'm not a fan of. It just does not do anything for me. Uh, I've always hated it. Sleight of hand. Sleight of hand is just mm. bleh. It's terrible. It's awful. It's an awful song. <laughs> just is. Now, this one is not that bad. It, it's it's fine, you know? So it's my favorite band, but this era and this song in particular is is fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> I hear you. I don't enjoy it. I don't hate it. It's there. It's a ZZ Top. Dun, 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 dun. You know, it's yeah. they're singing. They're playing their instruments. You know, it's it's there. It's okay. But it fits in the song. Like, this perfect. Like, they get to that biker bar. Yeah. Yeah. This is the song I want to play yeah. when I get I to a biker bar. Yeah. It's perfect. I would probably skip it, even though it's one of my favorite band. It's my favorite band. I would skip it uh, when it comes on the soundtrack, honestly. Well, it's a smart thing to do, because when you skip it, at least in song-wise, the eighth song begins what I feel are three of the strongest songs in a row, mm -hmm. and two are by the same band, but it goes with Angry Cockroaches from Tito and Tarantula. Tito and Tarantula is an American Chicano rock and blues band from Hollywood, California that formed in 1992. This song appears on the band's first studio album entitled Tarantism. Along with providing songs for the soundtrack, the band has also had songs appear on Desperado, Somebody to Love, Dream with the Fishes, and Just a Little Harmless Sex. Fucking love it. This song is playing as the group has entered the Titty Twister. Those who didn't know, Tito and Tarantula are actually the band that are playing on stage and technically playing this song live, but technically not also playing the song live, but they are the house band at the Titty Twister. So they are, later on, we talk about kill the fucking band. They're the band mm -hmm. that their sex That's machine them, yes. says to kill. But Angry Cockroaches, oh, fucking yes. love this song. And, and you uh, walk in, it's, it's, it's going crazy. People getting hit with fucking, there's a fight breaking out. People getting hit. <laughs> there's strippers. It's like Roadhouse. It's like yes. it's funny because it's yes. like the opening scene of Roadhouse, which Tito yes. Lariva is in the Crusados, his his 
former band, is playing in the opening scene of Roadhouse when, uh, 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 okay, I forget his name. Uh, um, what's the actor? Okay, I'm blanking on his <sighs> name. Unbelievable. Patrick Swayze, sir. Dalton. Okay, Patrick the Swayze walks Patrick Swayze. into the first bar that he works in, and Tito Lariva yeah. is playing with his band at the time. Okay, the opening scene of Roadhouse is not it's not that that crazy because the no. bar that he works at is it's like a regular bar. But the scene later on when he goes into the double deuce, yes, that's the same type yes. of atmosphere that the uh titty twister is yes you walk in and there's and there's fights left and right it's it's, it's wet women dancing on tables yep. it's just madness mm -hmm. i love tito and Tar tarantula the the guitar player is is just amazing I, it's it's a great song cucarachas and ojadas what's not to love yeah. you know it's, th this is this is the part that robert rodriguez like that's his imprint like oh, it, it, his yes. finger his mm -hmm. fingerprints are all over this track yes because tito is is his friend like he was in uh yeah. desperado yep and that's like his protege that's like his buddy you know so it's it's the the robert rodriguez uh, uh connection and yes i mean if if you're going into mexico and you go into a crazy biker bar the the house band you want to see is Tito and Tarantula. Uh -huh. It's just perfect. Oh, agreed. Like, there's no oh. other band that could be better. And it's the perfect introduction to the titty twister and the chaos that's about to come. You just don't realize yes. it. And you don't realize it in a second or two when we get to them, the other song that they actually put on this album. <laughs> we'll get to it in a minute. Well, yeah, not yet. Not yeah, yet. not yet. The ninth <laughs> song that we get, an actual song, is by Stevie, Ray Vaughn, and Double Trouble, and that's Mary Had a Little Lamb. This song is a Buddy Guy cover that appears on Stevie and Double Trouble's debut album, Texas Flood. The album peaked at number 38 on the Billboard 200 chart and went double platinum in the U.S. Now this song is playing as the group sits and drinks in the Titty Twister, while Seth is still pissed off and stewing about the fact that that gorilla put his fucking hands on him. <laughs> it's also how we are introduced to the other patrons in the bar, so that we will eventually come to know in a little bit. We see Frost, we see Sex Machine, we see a couple of the others in the bar, and we kind of get an idea of who is the patrons of this very odd south of the border Mexican brothel slash titty bar slash who knows what the fuck's going on bar. Vampire. Yes. Yeah. But it's a great song by Stevie. A great yes. fucking song. It's a buddy guy cover. It yes. works. It works beautifully. Works beautifully. It, it slows us down from mm -hmm. Tito and the Tarantula. Yes. It still gives us the vibe, but it gives us enough of great background music. That we can pay attention to what's going yes. on after that. But I feel it has the same kind of great background music that we talked about with John Waite in True Romance. Yes. It's in the background, but it's a song that when you hear it, not just in the background, you're very much involved in the song and you really enjoy the song. So, oh, it, yes. yeah. But it's just not. We couldn't have angry cockroaches going as they're trying to talk. We no. introduce everything to angry cockroaches. We slow it down. I mean, by slow it down, I mean, we just, we turn it down a notch volume-wise and tempo with Mary Had a Little Lamb. It's still an upbeat Blues the rock song, but it's it's not it's not like Dark Knight. We're not pumping through. We're not. No, it's it's the perfect level. It's the perfect frequency. Yes, of cool vibe, yep. but not a, a trust. A, a, you know, it, yeah. it's not distracting. No, but it's 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 perfect. It's like like you always say that Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, especially in that movie, is the same. They're like chefs. Like they yes. they pick their ingredients, and the the perfect ingredient right there in that scene is a Tex-Mex blues uh, uh, jam, but it's not distracting. No, because 
we we have this background music. We we are in Mexico. We just you know close to the border. We're at a roadhouse bar, and this is what we should be playing. Exactly, and it's not distracting, but it's not of of like if you would have put a foolish heart right there, it would be like oh yeah, kill like kill take the air right out of it. Right, the the intensity would would not be high enough. So this is like the exact perfect level. It's like you know, it's like a chef or like like an engineer, like a sound engineer that puts the exact perfect pitch Mm -hmm. and exact perfect the level of of intensity that we need it's not too intense it's not too low it's perfect and i love this song it's it's a it's a live track Mm -hmm. and it's uh i believe it's a buddy guy cover one of my favorite parts of that song it's obviously it's it's live uh live cut is the middle of the song it's not a guitar solo because of course steve rivon was one of the best you know guitar players ever to ever live and his guitar solos are just incredible but the middle of the song he does like a vamp it's like a rhythm vamp and then 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 they go into rhythm the solo is like a rhythm it's like almost like a james brown kind of funk mm-hmm. it gets into like this funky intense it's insane like the, the and and the keyboard player on top of it is it's just laying some b3 organ just just licks the middle of that song is just amazing and one of my buddies is uh he's a, a recording artist in, in texas and one of his records he used the guy that's playing keyboards on that track that used to no play shit. keyboards with stevie ray vaughn yeah so when he told me that i'm like oh, Really? Like the guy that plays on, like that plays live on Live Alive with Steve Ronnie goes, yep, same guy. So, yeah, what do you think about that track? Do you like I it? Love you the track. Listening to love it? the track. Absolutely. Like I said, these are the, the, the three songs in a row. I tried to look at them in the beginning. It's like, you know, you've got, you know, there's Dark Knight. You know, it's kind of, you got Foolish Heart, Denigate Woman, and Torquay, maybe the closest to that. But the lineup of Angry Cockroaches, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and our 10th track, After Dark by Tito oh, and the Tarantula. God. After Dark is the first track that appears on the band's debut album, Tarantism. The song is also the band's most recognizable song, and later became the theme song for the From Dust to Dawn TV series. While this song is playing, Miss Santonic Pandemonium seduces us all with her sexy snake dance and ends it with the champagne toe-sucking from Mr. Tarantino himself. And then, imperfect, perfect ending, Seth Gecko says... Now, is that a fucking show or is that a fucking a show? <laughs> <laughs> now, I, okay, I, I know you remember uh, you remember going to see that movie. I yes. remember what, going to see that movie with my buddies. And I remember being sitting in the theater and with my, with my two buddies. And when that scene started. Danny Trail, lowly dogs. <laughs> lowly dogs. And, and I remember the the mood in the theater and the mood between like me and my buddies like shifting, like when the song started, that little lake, and the, the beginning of that song is so hypnotic. It's so hypnotic, and then she starts dancing. But not just that, but Salma Hayek. Oh, wow, 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 wow. I mean, I mean she's she still hot, to be but in my wheelhouse. wow, yes, wow, wow, wow. She comes yes, out, that's, and it's yeah. just such. I mean, it's the greatest strip tease with no stripping involved ever, right? Yes. Like she comes out and just dancing with this giant anaconda boa constrictor, which I want to, I you know, just a giant snake, either boa oh. or an anaconda, it doesn't matter. She's dancing with it, and you're just like, what the fuck? Hats off because what I love again, if I haven't, this hasn't come across enough. What I love about Tarantino, and then obviously now with the marrying, and especially also Rodriguez has the power with this too. It's the marrying of a scene 
than music. Nothing is more powerful in cinema than when music and a scene unite yes. to form a bond that is not breakable. You can never hear the song After Dark without thinking of this. And no. a matter of fact, it shouldn't be played unless someone's doing this dance, in my opinion, if you're doing it live. Like if Tito and them doing it, they have to bring someone to do this dance because it is. And you can't find another song that would go better for that nope. scene than this song. No. They're, they're married together. Yes. And one of the things I really like about Robert Rodriguez is his pride in his Hispanic heritage. Because here we are in Mexico, and it could have been like some American band, whatever. It could have been fine, you know. But no, he's he's got a Mexican band, mm -hmm. and he's he's showing the whole world, look, I'm, I'm of Mexican descent. This is a Mexican band. And it's badass. And you're going to love it. And you're going to go, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And, yes, we make stuff like that in Mexico, by the way. And I'll show my cards early is my favorite song off the Kill Bill Volume 2 soundtrack is Chingon's end song. Mm -hmm. I fucking love that song. What I love about both these gentlemen is they introduce us to music that we did not know of. Mm -mm. They give us stuff that we had no frame of reference for prior to them giving it to us. It's like when you eat something for the first time you didn't know you liked, but once you've eaten it, you're like, I can never not have this again. You know, like now in my mm -hmm. life, I must yes. always have this. And it's the same. Mm -hmm. Tito and Tarantula, I, if they ever come to me, they don't come to New York, probably ever. But if they ever did, if I'm ever in an opportunity to go see them, I'm seeing them. And I love that it does open up your mind to new music. And there are two entries on the actual soundtrack, complete stark contrast of each other, but mm -hmm. yet completely fantastic music. Fantastic. And you know what I think it does? I think it helps break the racist connotation of only El Mariachi music is played, that it's just a mm -hmm. bunch of heavy guys in a hat. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the, all yeah. the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the cliches. I love his voice. Oh, How beautiful. great is love his it. voice? Love he sells it. I mean, it's, it's a strip. I mean, this is a, it's the best strip D song ever. Yes. Like, I'm glad you're Agreed. answering some of these questions there because I honestly, it's hard to pick my favorite song out of like three or four of these songs on this fucking album. This is, okay, anybody who's seen that movie remembers that scene. And yes. I, something about something about this movie and this soundtrack, I remember like it was yesterday and it was what, uh, 30 years ago almost? It's getting close. Yeah, it's getting close by 20, yeah. 27, 28. Yeah. And my memory usually is not that great. Like, uh, I, I remember a few things really distinct. I'm, I'm not the type of person that can tell you, oh yeah, I remember when that happened, it was a Tuesday and you were wearing this. This is not me. Like, my brain is very selective. I have just a few compartments in there and I just remember guitar chords for certain songs and stupid uh, facts, you know, blah, blah, blah. But my brain is not, like, I, I'm not an encyclopedia of everything that happened in my life. But I remember when I bought this soundtrack and I remember when I saw this movie in the theater. And I still, I can, I can close my eyes and remember being in a theater when that song played and that scene played. And I remember, I mean, Samahaya, come on. And I remember me and my buddies were like, whoa, okay, we bought the ticket for this movie. <laughs> we, did not, we did not know we were going to see this. Yes. And I remember wa walking out of the theater, looking at each other like, Oh my God, like what did we just watch? It was incredible. It, it's, it was so exciting. It was so different. Well, give kudos to the writing of Tarantino and then the direction from Rodriguez because what they do with that song in that moment is they mesmerize us. They make us lower our guard just like the people in the mm -hmm. film. And it leads to the 11th track, which is Willie the Wimp and his Cadillac Coffin by Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. This song was written and recorded by Bill Carter and Ruth Ellsworth and released on Bill Carter's 1985 album, Stomping Grounds. After seeing a newspaper column story about Willie M. Wimp Stokes Jr., a figure in the Chicago underworld 
who was gunned down on the steps of the Roberts Motel. His father, Willie Morris Fluky Stokes, gave his son an extravagant funeral, burying him in a coffin that looked like a Cadillac. Stevie Ray covered this song and released his version of it on his live album, Live Alive, in 1986. And all of a sudden, as soon as that song ends and we have this amazing performance, all of a sudden, Chet, Chet Pussy, shows <laughs> back up. Back to reality. And, back to yep, reality. and he's, he's like, back on the clock, and how many? And then we've got the fight. <laughs> oh, I love that. The fight. I in love it. that. This is when the, the Gecko Brothers and the Titty Twister staff get into it, and it's the song ahead of before it is the calm before the storm. And from this moment on, there will never be another calm moment until the end of the film. No. And no. we just didn't realize it. And then from this moment on, all hell breaks loose. And the Gecko Brothers fuck them up. I, I know I said it in the episode when we talk about this movie, but yeah. one of my favorite moments in in this whole entire movie is when the dance is, the dance stops and this the this song Willie the Wimp starts. And all of a sudden, like you said, it's whoop, back to reality. And uh, uh, Tarantino, Richie, has his back to the, the, the front door. And all of a sudden, Seth sees, you know, the, the, the guys coming towards them. And Richie, Tarantino notices uh, uh, Seth's, you know, changes in his face. And he goes, Richie. And, and, and Tarantino goes, how many? Like he knows. It's like, okay, it's yeah. bad. Somebody said, people are coming to our table. It's like back to reality. Mm-hmm. Like, boof. Like we'd yeah. be out of a dream all of a sudden, and 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 it's about to be mm-hmm. crazy. They think it's just going to be one of those regular bar brawls, bar brawls but it it turns into so <laughs> much more than that, because all hell eventually breaks loose. And this is the last Literally. music piece selected track on the soundtrack. Because mm-hmm. after this, we've got two orchestral pieces. This this is the signal to the end. We Tito and the Tarantula, those sons of bitches. They lull us to sleep with this amazing, slow, seductive, sultry song and the amazing Salma Hayek and all her goodies <laughs> dancing before us, <laughs> mesmerizing us. And we really learned that Tarantino is a foot fetish freak. This is the movie that really solidifies oh, yeah. it. But it leads eventually to song 12, which is Mexican Standoff by the composer Graham Ravel. Graham Ravel is a New Zealand musician and composer known for such film scores as The Crow, Strange Days, The Saint, The Negotiator, Daredevil, Sin City, and Final Express, to name a few. Now this song plays, as I'm saying, as Jacob, Sex Machine, and Frost killed the remaining vampires in the bar. Now what I love, or I should say, or so they think they've killed them all, because that leads Mm -hmm. something in a minute. But this song starts very cinematic. And suddenly, early on, like maybe a minute in, it does a quick turn and quickly turns into a spaghetti western-like tune. Like it totally goes from a, a horror vampire vibe to almost this spaghetti western showed up the OK Corral tune to it in the middle of the song. And I absolutely fucking love it because I re-listened to it again today. And I'm listening to it. Okay, I was like, yeah, I remember that. And then also I was like, oh, God, that's right. It does kick into this this very almost Kill Bill-esque you know, showdown from a Neo Morricone. Your thoughts on the sudden pivot from Graham Ravel in the middle of this track? I'll be honest. I don't oh, like the beginning of it, so I never listen to it. You don't make it past the beginning of it? No. You piece of no. shit. I, I, I'll show uh, my cards. Uh, I, I, I'm after after Will and Wimp. I'm done with the soundtrack. Oh, this guy. Well, you brought <laughs> you know you've brought a lot of knowledge. We'll let it slide. You brought a lot of knowledge to this episode. Maybe probably one of the most knowledge filled from a guest of them so far to the season. So I will give you a pass. <laughs> but as soon as we're done recording, you piece of shit. Put it on, <laughs> listen to the first minute or so, and then listen to how it changes into a spaghetti western like. Okay. Which I love. Sp- spaghetti Western soundtracks is some of my, my favorite music. Like Ennio en- Morricone, uh, you know, just legendary. I love that stuff. 
So yeah, I, I will listen. But the next two or three selections is like there are two more songs. Yes, to me is like um, orchestral, scary movie music, yep. and I don't particularly enjoy scary movies, and especially not just the score taken out of the movie. That's like I that's that doesn't do anything fair, for me, you know. So so then we can quickly skip to also song thirteen, which is just entitled "Sex Machine Attacks" once again by Graham Ravel, and obviously. This is playing as Sex Machine. We quickly realize that he's been bitten, and he's starting to mm -hmm. turn, and he's playing with teeth, and he's starting to realize that he's got claws, and then all of a sudden he bites Frost, and all hell breaks loose, and he throws Sex Machine through the door, and, and like we talked about in the thing, the quickest vampire turn in the history of cinema, yes. Frost is bitten, and like we talked about, there is no context for how quickly you can turn. No, Frost because he, some turn in instantly. 20 minutes, yeah. the others in, in two seconds. <laughs> oh, Jacob turns six hours later, Frost turns within three minutes, and all hell breaks loose, and we go into the rest of the film, which is nothing but Graham Ravel stuff, until Dark Knight once again plays us out into the night as the final soundtrack of the movie and the titles roll. Now, that does leave us, though, five other moments on the soundtrack, and they're all dialogue moments, as my rude guest from France and now the south of them in America uh, pointed out, yes, the very first track is a track called Everybody Be Cool, which of course is with Mr. fucking Seth Gecko. That is one of the dialogues. We have the, would you do me a favor? The... <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, uh, sure. Yeah. The, Taren, okay. Taren, Taren, uh, Rich, Richie's uh, daydream that, Just that he's being asked to, to eat a girl's vagina out for her. Speaking of vagina, the third one is Chet's pussy speech, which <laughs> goes into, you can find pussy but cheap up, oh, it. And then... One of the, one of the best... Uh, 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 fourth wall, you know, break ever. Oh, one of the, yeah, 100%, 100%, absolutely. <laughs> then there is the Kill the Band, which mm -hmm. is the last official one you see, but there is a hidden track that is hidden past the Sex Machine Attacks, and that is extra Chet Pussy dialogue that continues on. <laughs> so you have to listen past it, so you probably have never heard it because you don't listen to the soundtrack. No, I pass. did. I did in preparation for this, yes. Those are the five extra dialogue moments. Of those five, I think we already know, but what is your favorite of the five? Of the five dialogue tracks? Yes. I don't know. It, it's a toss-up between, obviously, the, the Pussy Lovers, uh, uh, and I, I just like, I just love... Uh, uh, Richie, will you do me a favor? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat. And just Tarantino playing coy, like, sure. You know, like, of course. Oh, <laughs> it's just, just a, it's a look into the mind of Richie. Richie Gecko and his <laughs> twisted perversion. But, 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 who, who, but, you know, the obviously the best one is, oh, is Chet's yeah. speech. It may be one of Naga the best. Yeah. Naga hide pussy. My favorite. It's my favorite one he says. Chicken pussy. Yeah. Oh. Gold pussy. It's so good. It's so amazing. Okay, I have a question. Um, now, okay. So that was a very cool and, you know, with the times thing to do in the 90s to, to include uh, uh, dialogues in, in the soundtrack. Yeah. That's not that's not really done anymore. That that was that was a nineties thing. I think well, one of the is first it a ones is Reservoir Dogs. Or is it really more of a Tarantino thing? Because how many people well, have maybe. really great dialogue? You know? Like like if you think about it, like, yeah, there's some movies, but like how many people really have really great dialogue that's memorable? Not just like a couple of moments, but like throughout the film where you could go like there are moments in every one of Tarantino's films. You could almost spend an entire album itself 
on just dialogue tracks, just moments in the film. Yeah, I, I remember uh, buying the soundtrack for Leaving Las Vegas, the yeah. uh, Nick Cage movie, and that had some of the dialogues. And that's that's not a Tarantino movie. So no, but yeah, it, it I, but I definitely was definitely one of those things that Tarantino kind of helped thing. push, and then other people wanted to mm -hmm. jump on. But again, since then, not many. You know, there's not a lot of great, no. or maybe there's great dialogue, but does it also fit with the soundtrack? Is there even a great soundtrack to put on with it? it you know, it's, it's more like it's even like a soundbite. It's like it, it, it's yeah. in like a five second soundbite, yep. or, or ten, or, or twenty, yep. or whatever. Because Chet's speech is a little longer, but but the little be cool and and you know rich. Will you do me a favor? That's like a little, little five, five seconds, six yeah. seconds. So yeah, it, it's got to be a special kind of movie yeah. to, to fit, and 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 that actually like just moves you along in the story, and kind of it doesn't tell the story of the movie, but it it, it kind of brings you back to oh yeah, that's the moment in the movie where yeah. blah blah blah, and then the song starts, you know. Yeah. So yeah, let's ask our guest some fucking questions. Now you can finally let the cat out of the bag. You Finally, son of a bitch. Hey, I, hey, I, I kept, I kept it. I said you did. this time. Number one, what is your favorite track on this soundtrack? Well, it's a toss-up, honestly, between. Okay, a toss-up is a cop-out. I know I will choose one, but for the the last few days, the last couple of weeks, uh, I've, I've been thinking about it, and I've been, I've been debating: Is it Dark Knight? Is it Mexican Blackbird? Is it not Dark Knight? Etc. If I have to pick one, I think it's Mexican Blackbird. All right, fair, fair. I had a feeling it would be that, but fair. That is that is your yes. pick, and and I'm I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Now I, I'm I'm saving my overall feelings about this soundtrack for the last question. Correct. I would hope you would please. Okay. Thank you, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> so yes, Mexican Blackbird. So today is kind of like Christmas morning for me because I've been loving this soundtrack for almost 30 years and and I've, I've usually kept it to myself because it's something that I don't really share with many people in my life it's just like a favorite of mine and I get to just discuss it today and so I'm, I'm really enjoying this this episode and, and discussing that with you Scott well we're glad to have you on you sultry son of a bitch you're real trash <laughs> I mean I'm sorry that we don't get to listen or talk about your favorite song, yeah, I Want Your me, Body. Yeah. But, yes. you know, we'll, we'll get there again. Maybe they'll make another appearance on the last album of Tarantino and you can come back on for it. <laughs> what is your least favorite track on this soundtrack? Well, I think you figured it out by now. It's the probably the Kill the Band. No, Kill the Band is the one that uh, goes into... Because uh, I have to... I have to. I, I, I gotta confess. Right. I, I Kill the Band goes it. into Willie and the Wimp. No, it goes into Mexican Standoff. But okay, so or, which one? Yeah, is it doesn't the... matter. You just don't like the Graham Ravel songs that you didn't right. even listen to. Right. And which, which one? Which one is the one that has the uh, spaghetti western bit in it? Mexican Standoff. Okay, so and then the, the next one, one is, is Sex Machine Attacks. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sex, Sex Machine, Machine Attacks by far least least favorite. I, I, <laughs> it's not something I listen to. I, I, I'll be honest. This okay, no. This is my closing argument. So no, 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 not yet, not yet. All right. Good Lord, this guy. All right, so what is the most underrated track for you on this soundtrack? Foolish Heart. Yeah, that's, that's a good pick. That's a good choice. Because it, because it also stands out from the rest of the, the music, too, as well. Right, and, and it kind of flies under the radar. It's like you you would think that it, it just, you know, it's like, like I said, it's like a throwback to, you know, the 50s Nashville sound, you know. But 
it's when you really listen to it, and especially when you like the Mavericks as much as I do, you realize how great it is. It's not a throwaway track that's just in the background because some some of the songs that we talked about in, in like in uh, the True Romance soundtrack, they're great for the scene, but on their own, they don't really stand, you know, really that mm -hmm. by themselves. This song, you can throw it away and go, yeah, you know, it's something in the background, Americana, blah, 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 diner. But if you really listen to it, it's amazing. Like just, yeah. just the little, the, the little guitar fails, the, the little guitar solo. It's mm -hmm. like, it's amazing. And, and like I was saying earlier, to be able to replicate the, the 1950s Nashville sound, it takes a special scale. And Raul Malou, I mean, just listen to his voice. Uh, to me, I would put him against like Roy Orbison and, and people of that caliber. He's just that amazing of a singer. And he's just so smooth and it's just, it's amazing. So Foolish Heart by, by uh, the Mavericks. I, I just love the Mavericks. So to me, it's not a song that would stand out unless you love the Mavericks, unless you love country music from the 50s and all that, all that stuff. But if you really list, pay attention to it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's great. So uh, my pick for underrated is it's Foolish Heart. Good pick. Very good pick. And now your moment of glory that you've been waiting for. <laughs> Finally. Where does this soundtrack rank for you in all of the Tarantino verse soundtracks? Although we will once again state it's technically not a Tarantino soundtrack per se. But where does this rank for you amongst all of the films that have his name attached to it in the writing or directing Numero uno. I had a feeling. <laughs> it's the soundtrack that I can put on and leave running. So that's that's like the anti uh, Drew Roman soundtrack, which had we we discussed that we I'm going to repeat myself, <laughs> but had amazing tracks and then terrible tracks. This one, it's amazing from start to finish for my taste. I love Tex Mex music i love the blues i love all all that you know border kind of kind of kind of stuff i love it this this is like some of my favorite bands these does my favorite band mavericks of one of my favorite bands i love the blasters jimmy vaughn is one of my musical heroes so it's like it's almost like it was put together for me so when i bought this cd i knew some of those artists some i didn't and it just crystallized my taste in it's like one of my biggest tastes in music like one of my favorite types of music was all in there and so that movie for me was like eye-opening like i was some 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 college some guy in college living in france and what i would get from from america was like the movies you know music and books mm -hmm. and stuff like that it was like it was cultural products and when i received that movie and that soundtrack it it was like for me it was like it was not a big bang but it was one of the big cultural uh, uh, events of of my life for my for my taste like for my stuff it just solidified that yes this is my stuff Jimmy Vaughn uh, ZZ Top Mavericks this is my stuff it, it helped shape my my taste in music it is a fantastic soundtrack I, I'm with you I don't know where it ranks for me. Because there's one coming up that I, I may have mentioned that I feel like a, a kindred spirit to it, and that's Death Proof, and mm -hmm. I'll have to re-listen to that one, but this does have one of my favorite starts ever. It, it, it's a solid, this is a solid, and, solid and, and it's fucking... Homogenous. It's homogenous. It's one style. Because Pulp Fiction is great, but it has... Yes. It has 70s, you know, like Cool and the Gang, and, and uh, next to Dick Dale, next to Al Green, you know. It's all kind of different, you know, hodgepodge kind of 
you know, different elements. This is anchored in South Texas, you know, Mexico, Mexico border, blues, swamp rock, Chicano rock. It, it's that whole just this culture. And it's just like the, the best, it's like a best of greatest hits of when you're driving in South Texas, going into Mexico, this, this is it. And, and it's, I love the desert and, you know, and it's just, it's just all my favorite stuff. It's soundtrack that I can, I can, and I did it the other morning preparing for this show on my way to work, on my way to work. I just play the first track and I just let it go and I don't skip a single song. The only one that I always, that I wanted to skip, but I didn't because I was preparing for this show is the, the, she's just scaling me by ZZ Top, even though I love ZZ Top, but that's the one that I felt like, mm, I could skip that right now. But other than that, it's just so solid. If if you respond to that style of music, to that that cultural kind of you know flavor, it, it's just solid, not nonstop. And it, so it's solid nonstop, and it's my favorite kind of music. That that makes it my favorite uh, Tarantino-related soundtrack. I, I love it. That will do it for this month's Hymnal Devotional. I would once again like to thank my special guest, Pat Fournier, co-host of the B News USA podcast, for joining me. Now, you can find the link to the B News USA podcast, along with the show's socials, in the show notes. And as always, you can become a member of the Church of Tarantino by following us on all our socials. Those links can be found in the show notes as well. So join me again in two weeks as Sin Electric, musician, composer, and lead singer of the alt-rock band Kid Electric, and Mr. Elwood Jones, host of the Asian Cinema Film Club, the Movies and Tea Podcast, the Game War Podcast, and the TV Good Sleep Bad Podcast. Both join me to help me take a look at two of the films that helped inspire one of Tarantino's most underrated films, Jackie Brown. The films we'll be discussing are a couple of Pam Greer's exploitation gems, Coffee, and Foxy Brown. Now, if you'd be so kind and take a moment to like, review, subscribe, and follow us, the church would greatly appreciate it, as it will help other fellow Tarantino fans like yourself find the show. So until next time, this has been the Reverend Scott K. May Tarantino be with you always. Motherfucker. This has been a man with an exceptional beard production.